Hello, and welcome to Asbury Methodist Church's podcast. My name is Forrest Divini. I am the lead pastor here at Asbury, and we hope this podcast will enrich your walk with Christ, increase your knowledge of the Bible, and that it will be at least a little bit entertaining. I'm going to continue for one more week to uh, look at the book of Jeremiah, and then uh, in the following week, uh, we'll probably do sort of, well, I might do like a brief, brief look at Lamentations and then go into Ezekiel, because I also want to touch on Daniel a bit before we get to Thanksgiving. Because once we get on the other side of Thanksgiving, then we're getting into uh, the Advent season. And I'm going to try and keep the podcast relevant to that time of year. Um, <clears throat> so, Jeremiah. Now, one of the things that Jeremiah constantly has to sort of struggle against is uh, the, the fact that his prophecies his his messages are not well received now remember that a, a biblical prophet their message might indeed be um, about what is going to happen in the future of Israel but but I don't like to classify them as foretelling the future I think a lot of times when we when we uh, think of prophets we we <laughs> And confuse them a little bit with uh, with like fortune tellers, right? Like they know what's going to happen. What they're really doing is they're saying, if you continue on this path, then this will happen. They're the mouthpieces of God. The prophets are are the people whom God is choosing to use to deliver his message to his people. And that's what Jeremiah is doing. And, and so he's giving them not so much, I guess a good modern word might be warnings that kind of encapsulate what it is he is saying to the people. Right? They're warnings. Um, if you keep going down the path you've chosen to go down, then all these things are going to happen to you. Now, they're not popular warnings. Right, because they're saying if you don't change your ways, God's going to destroy Jerusalem. Now you've got to understand um, the reason that makes people so angry. Jerusalem is the holy city. I mean, that is where the temple is. That is the mountain of God. In Jewish writings, uh, Jewish theological writings outside the Torah, the the rock on which the temple is built is identified as the first bit of dry land that God called out of the waters in Genesis. It is identified also as the mountain on which Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. Now, whether these things are true or not, we have no idea. And we don't really know um, how the Jewish theologians came to those conclusions other than they thought, well, if God picked this mountain, it must be special. Um, when they talk about the holy mountain, they're talking about the temple mount, and that's why it's considered holy. This is, in their mind, this is the first bit of dry land God brought out of the waters. This is where Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac. This is the most significant place in all the universe, and God gave it to us. And there is, there is an idea within Judaism at this time, and Isaiah had to deal with this as well, that... 
because we've got Jerusalem, because we've got the temple, we are invincible. We have God's protection because we live in the place where God touches the earth and no one can hurt us. And there is this mindset amongst the Jewish people and amongst the kings and amongst the priests and amongst most of the prophets that nothing else matters. We have the temple. We have the holy mountain. We are in Jerusalem. We are safe from all harm. And so if we slip up a little, what problem is it? If we offend the nations around us, we're fine. And Jeremiah has to come and repeatedly say, no. No, that's not how this works. You have to uphold your end of the covenant you made with God, or else God will not uphold his end of the covenant he's made with you. And so this message cuts to the very heart of their national identity. It would be very much like, um, oh man, there's so many different ways I could get myself in trouble here. Oh, uh, well, uh, you can point out, by the way, you, you can see even some of the similar ideas in modern Judaism, particularly in, in uh, the Zionists. You can see some of that going on with them. It's not quite as extreme, and there's some different things going on, but you can still see that idea. We've got Jerusalem, and that's all that matters. And, we're, and you can see a little bit of that vein still going on. You can see it in a lot of modern American Christians. Um, you saw this with the people who were uh, in the Capitol on January 6th, right? They're, the way that they felt about Donald Trump was very much like the way that the ancient Jewish people felt about the temple. And to challenge the sanctity of the temple results in very similar actions to what happens with the, the sorts of folks who turned up in the Capitol on January 6th for, the, for that insurrection. I won't go any more into detail on that because I could get myself into a lot of trouble. But, um, but you, you, I want you to get a sense of the sort of fire Jeremiah is playing with here. He gets himself into a lot of trouble. And so, we come to this point in Jeremiah 28. Now, at this point, at this point, the king of Judah has already been deposed by the Babylonians. The social elite of Judah have already been carried off into exile. All of the nobility, the royal family, the richest and wealthiest people of the land, a lot of the skilled craftsmen, a large percentage of the priests have all been carried off into exile. And the king of Babylon has installed a puppet king named Zedekiah on the throne. So in Jeremiah 28, in that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, 
the king of Judah, the rightful king, in other words, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah the prophet in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Yet, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. And it goes on, and they go back and forth and back and forth. And then God says to Jeremiah, Go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord, You have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all these nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. For I have given to him even the beasts of the field. And Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. And you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. And in that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. The book of Deuteronomy says very clearly that the way you test whether a prophet is real or not, there are two ways you test it. First, you test whether or not what they are saying lines up with what the Torah teaches. The second way you test whether what they are saying, if they are a real prophet or not, is if what they are saying actually comes to pass. So, you would think that Jeremiah would have been vindicated here. After all, everything he's prophesied has come to pass. Babylon has already swept in, defeated the armies of Judah. They have taken the exiles off. They've taken the riches out of the temple. All things that Jeremiah warned them about. And so now here comes this prophet. <laughs> and, and, and his prophecy, what it really boils down to is a saying of, yes, yes, Jeremiah, you were right about the exile, but you were wrong about the length. It'll only be two years. Two years. We've got nothing to worry about. It's like a sort of half acknowledgement that he is a genuine prophet, but then also still pushing back against the message from God, a message that they don't want to hear, a message that is, that is harsher than they are willing to believe in. And because they don't want to hear it, they close their ears to it, they close their minds to it, they close their hearts to it, and it's going to lead them to destruction. And so Jeremiah says, after he hears this prophet, says, hey, that's great. 
<laughs> if you're right, fantastic. I hope you're right, Hananiah. I mean, this is what it boils down to, right? I sincerely hope you're right. I would love it if you're right. May God bring them back in two years. But here's what God's telling me. And, and what God is telling me isn't two years. And so let the Lord judge between us. You know, whichever one of us is, is right. If the exiles come back in two years, great. You were right. But if they haven't come back in two years, you're going to have a lot to answer for. And by the way, God says he's going to kill you for lying to the people, uh, which kind of an interesting way to end the conversation, right? But you see here, by the way, how these prophets are sort of working this out between them. They disagree on what God's going to do. They disagree on what the word of the Lord is saying. And Jeremiah says, man, I hope you're right. And we'll find out in two years if you're right or not. And in the meantime, what are we going to do? In the meantime, I think God's giving me a different message, and I've got to keep preaching my different message. I said uh, in last week's podcast, I talked about the, the incredible depth of the faith that Jeremiah has to, uh, to hear this word from the Lord, which is a very difficult word, very, very challenging word, and to stick with it and to keep preaching it, even though people uh, do not like his message, even though people are deeply opposed to it, and even though it doesn't seem to be coming true, I mean, it's, and here you get another glimpse of that, right? You get a glimpse of how he's worked this out. Because here's a much better message, right? Okay, yes, you're right about the exile, but what if it's not going to be 70 years? What if it's going to be just two years? Here's this other prophet who's saying, I think the Lord has told me it's only two years. And Jeremiah saying, well, I hope you're right, but that is not the word I have received from the Lord. I don't really know, to be honest with you, if if I could have stuck with my harsher message. I'm, a, I'm an optimist, and I like to believe good things are going to happen. I, I'm sure I would have been lured into believing it's only going to be two years. It's only going to be two years. Jeremiah's faith and his ability to hear and interpret the word of God is still, I think, unparalleled. Um, especially considering all he goes through as he's doing that. And of course, what's going to happen is Zedekiah is going to make the same mistakes his predecessors did in the, the not only is the exile going to last for longer than two years, but it's going to get significantly worse because more people will be carried off into exile. This is, I mean, we don't like to talk about, you know, dark and painful things, but we kind of have to from time to time because, you know, the people of Israel, they go into exile and they've got no one but themselves to blame. Look how much time God spends trying to warn them off the path of exile. Remember, they spend 70 years in exile. And God starts to warn them about the exile in 735 BC. 735 BC. Now, the first deportation 
which has already happened in Jeremiah 28. This is of the royal family, the nobility. That happens in 597 BC. That's 138 years after God started to warn them about the exile. And it's another 10 years in 587 when the rest of the people are carried off into exile. So, what did I say? 138 years? So, so in total, God spends 148 years, 148 years, warning the people about the consequences of their actions. More than double the length of the exile itself that God spends trying to get them to turn around and think about what that says about the character of God. He put so much more time and energy into warning the people of the consequences of their actions than he did for actually punishing them for their actions. This is the length that God will go to to prevent his people from turning astray. The length that he will go to to try and call them back to the right path. And it was all futile in this case. And for what it's worth, um, you know, they do, when they return to the land, um, not only do they lose their political and economic independence from that point forward, they're never again a free people except for this very brief period Uh, after Alexander the Great dies, very brief period. But the line of the priests of Aaron are never again the temple priests. Those people will never again be the temple priests. The glory of the presence of God, which they could all see radiating out from the temple, it never returns to the temple until the day Jesus is born. This exile, this refusal refusal to listen to the prophets of God, refusal to listen to the word of God, it fundamentally changes their relationship with God forever. And even in there, there is a lesson for us. God still speaks. He speaks to us today. He speaks to each one of us, and he also speaks to us through the people in our lives. And if we don't listen... If we don't listen to the word of God, the consequences can be disastrous. Now think about the people of Israel. As best we can tell, they continued to read the Torah for most of their history. They continued to know the law for most of their history. They continued to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, even as they worshiped at other idols on other days. Throughout all their history, they knew what they were supposed to do. They knew the truth, and they still chose the lie. This is no different from us. We know the truth, and we still choose our idols. It's a constant battle. It's a constant battle. We know the truth. We know who we're supposed to worship, and we still get lured astray by the idols we want to worship. That's the difficulty of it all. That's what makes it so hard. That's why Christ sends his Holy Spirit to us, to empower us, to resist the idols. This is why sanctification is so important and such a vital part of our Methodist heritage, but it's, it's so important to our Christian walk to be made more and more holy each day so that we aren't led astray by idols, because look what happens. They know exactly what the consequences of disobeying God are. They know what the consequences of 
rejecting the God of Israel are, but they fool themselves into thinking it won't happen to them until it does. We do the same thing. We fool ourselves into thinking there will be no consequences for rejecting God. There will be no consequences for embracing our idols, for uh, living however we want to live. But the day of reckoning will come. The day of reckoning will come. This is why we, we ask God to make us holy, why we ask God to be sanctified, why we why we need to be in a community of believers who will hold us accountable for living a Christian life, for living a life as a follower of Jesus. Because if not, it's far too easy to wander astray. That's all for the book of Jeremiah. We'll be back next week. I'll probably do a bit on Lamentations, maybe, but mostly it should be Ezekiel. Until then, God bless.